Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Julius Solaris of Hopin about uh, virtual events and more specifically why no one cares about your virtual events and uh, how to get the most out of them. Uh, Julius is an event industry expert with a focus on event technology, including virtual events, on-site, and hybrid events. He's currently the VP of Marketing Strategy and Events at Hopin, which is the fastest growing European company ever and happens to be involved in events. Julius, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Sky. So excited to be here with you and your audience. So I want to kind of structure this a little bit right away for the audience. We're talking about virtual events. I'm sure we'll get some general event talk in there as well, but that can be a whole ton of like, we're having an event right here. Um, now with Zoom, everybody considers almost everything an event. You have everything from your uh, open meeting network type event to large corporate uh, events and conferences and trade shows and stuff. So let's kind of box it in can you tell us what we are and aren't going to cover today? Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, virtual events are, are not new, first off, right? There's not, it's not something that started with the pandemic. Thank God they existed before. And we were able to leverage on the existing technology to then build on top of it. So first thing that the audience like, of marketers need to remember uh, the technology uh, has progressed probably more in the past 20 months than in the past 20 years. So, Forced to, right? Yeah, right. Um, I just looked at how many features uh, we released that hop in in the past year alone. It's 165 features. Wow. It's just ridiculous. So the amount of the pace at which these tools are progressing is just unbelievable. It's a lucky situation, kind of. It seems like the technology was almost there but it hadn't been forced to really be there um it could have been a ways away and we could have had a very bad experiences for a while but really things were for a lot of events right there already and uh like you said you added so many features so fast because you were that close it was it was kind of doable already i guess it was a lucky break this this whole yeah. COVID thing <laughs> and that's pretty much the story of open as well which is an interesting interesting one because you feel if you think about pre-pandemic, the, the best tool that we would uh, sort of use for virtual events were webinars. And we were used to webinars. And our founder, Johnny Bufferhat, um, he was actually uh, in bed for two years with an autoimmune disease. And he was like actually bored about attending, you know, webinars. He couldn't. So he did a so pre-trial of COVID kind of. Exactly. Like he was in that situation. He developed the tool. Uh, you know, the two years before the pandemic into 2019, he launched the soft launched it. So he created the company in 2019. Suspicious. It, yeah. Right. In the space of two years, uh, we went from like uh, six people to a thousand. So you can see the progression there. But like the, the when we define virtual events, uh, really, I think the big distinction here to make is uh, one way webinars but even meetings to a certain extent, like, and that's, that's a different take on it, to sort of connection and trying to replicate whatever happens in an event, larger event environment. Right. Biggest mistake I see every time. Using technology that was meant for meetings, so smaller meetings, say up to 20 people, for an event that has 200 people. Right. So it. Zoom for a uh, trade show or something like that, maybe not the best platform. Exactly. That's where the alienation with virtual events starts. That's where we're setting the ground up for the topic of the conversation today. Why does it suck? Because <laughs> most of the times it's like we're using the wrong type of tech for it. And like, you know, more engaging, um, engagement driven type of platforms. And it's not just hopping. There's a bunch of them out there, uh, you know, that provide that uh, value of interacting with each other and like discover more about who's there that's right, kind right. of the evolution of it so we're talking about those events we're talking about larger size business events we're not talking about sporting events we're not talking about weddings and funerals which happen online as well these mm -hmm. days unfortunately um so we're talking about businesses brands that want to use events as a demand generation tool 
or as a branding type of experience, um, whether it's in person, virtual, hybrid. At Hopping, we love virtual, but we love also the other tools. We acquired three companies in the past two years that do specifically in person. So we're pretty much committed to that. It occurs to me that a big part of the event technology is is probably around for, for the virtual thing, the networking part. Even rate, probably January of 2020, I was at a trade show in Las Vegas, looking at the monitors, walking through the casino to the trade show, showing people in hazmat suits and wondering if this was going to be uh, some sort of uh, Resident Evil movie. And um, I remember they had an app for this trade show and I remember giving them feedback saying, hey, the app was awesome. And I could see who was there. You could check in and say, but I couldn't, there was no way to send them a message like, hey, I'm here, come check me out here. I had to then take their name, go open the LinkedIn app, look them up there, send them a message, try to jump, find some way around. It was like, as long as they're in your app, uh, you got to have a way. So it was, it was an in-person meeting, but there was still this virtual aspect when you're on the app. And it was like, I want to be able to network with people virtually here. And there's this wall there. Is that a big part of the virtual experience, being able to network outside of like, you say a webinar, you can go, you can watch the people talk, you're done, but it's not really why you go to an in-person meeting or an in-person event. You're, you're opening up there, a uh, perfect segue to what we discussed. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, shaking my head in disapproval for those listening in while you were saying that there was no way to message people. That's basic feature of mobile apps for events that have been around for 10 years plus. So it's not something new. It's like something that many events have used through the years successfully, because when you're at a big trade show, there's noise all over the place. There's confusion. There's a lot of information coming your way. So you're like focused on like, who should I meet? What session should I attend? Like help me filter the noise, right? right. So I think the app was built all around that. Like, oh, here's, it's going to show you the trade shows. It's going to show you, but they added this thing that was like, oh, people can check in so you can see who's here. But totally. And it and stopped right there. It's like, that's ah. super valuable, uh, but like you can build on top of it. And part of the success, I feel, I feel that part of the success that made hopping kind of viral in March, 2020, because it was literally incredible the growth at that stage uh was i feel one of the features that we have on the platform that kind of resembles what we all missed about in-person events that's kind of the serendipity to a certain extent of meeting people randomly at a coffee break or stuff like that so we have a module that we call networking shuffle and you can just you just click on it and you get randomly matched to someone at the event you connect with them for like three minutes and you can decide to extend it if you want it uh, that's yeah. a feature, like literally I attended an event last week. I spent an hour on it, keep on meeting people. And like, I met so many interesting people. Did you um, attend in person or was this virtual? Uh, virtual, virtual, okay. totally virtual. That's the thing with hybrid, you can actually do like in person can meet virtual people, right? And yeah. connect while well, say you're bored, like in between sessions in a lounge at an event, like you go to the app, you get matched to someone that is attending online. You can start trading stories. I, I, that's what I was thinking. I would be sitting there and on that function on the app, just kind of like swiping left or <laughs> right. whatever. Those, those uh, dating apps were after my time, but or right or whichever one is the right one. Um, yeah, that yeah. sounds awesome. So that kind of, I remember being also at in-person events where they had that in person. There was just a room and they were like, everybody sits down here and then you all shift one to the left and talk to the next person and you have three minutes. Speed and dating. Yeah. yeah, it was this similar thing, but the app kind of more convenient almost. You don't have all the noise. It was impossible to hear. You had to like lean in and scream in the person's ear because everybody in the room is trying to yell at each other. Um, okay, so <clears throat> we're talking about larger events here, uh, primarily virtual events. Let's get down to the topic of why people don't, care about companies virtual events anymore i think that's the big worry for people hey i'm gonna have this virtual event and people don't give a shit yeah um, i feel that one of the sort of uh, structures that we always go back to when we plan in-person events is content right so the first thing you think about is speakers the <clears throat> keynote the breakout let's secure these people because these are the ones that eventually are going to move um, our audience to RSVP and be there and attend. 
right? right. Oh, Snoop Dogg is going to be opening or, or, or right. closing or whatever. It's people like, oh, I want to, that sounds cool. So the biggest mistake is to think that that translates to online as well. I mean, right, right. it does to a certain extent, but to the same level you would experience like watching a TV show, right? Um, so we have to switch the mentality when we go from in-person to virtual, from like something from a concert, right? Watching the Super Bowl at the stadium in, in California and having the whole performance to watching it at home, right? With our friends or whatever by ourselves. It's a completely different experience. So where we see most failure is like translating one to the other. Well, maybe translating the virtual to in-person actually would work better right now because it's quicker, it's faster. Like I went back to an in-person event last month. They made me sit for like an hour and a half in a dark room waiting for a keynote. I wanted to kill myself. Like literally I couldn't deal with it. It's like, you know, I'm used to 20 minutes, move on, tidbits that I can use. Otherwise, I can just go on YouTube. I don't need to be on, a, on an event, right, 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 to listen to someone speak. Or I can listen to a podcast, like, to go in-depth, right? I so don't are the in-person be... events going to have to adjust because people got used to virtual and they're like, oh, we need more of that style, kind of? We want shorter talks. We want... <laughs> that's, that's one element. And the second element that creates that sort of uh, uniqueness about events, it's connection. So... When you connect people that are listening in, in a virtual platform, then you have something that for the marketers listening, that creates a new level of engagement. That creates something that we all feel connected to, that it's stronger than social media where there's a lot of noise around and like content being pushed at you. Uh, it, it's more secluded. You control it much better and people can start to interact. So if you have breakout sessions, for example, with like customers or, um, you know, attendees connecting with each other or sponsors driving those conversations, open conversations. If you have like polls, Q&As, like ways to engage them, like networking sessions created, that horizontal connection, the power of that, it's mind blowing. It creates the next value. It's not a, the content starts it, the connection sort of finishes it. Is that the equivalent of like the in-person event? You want to be able to have a beer with somebody. You want to see the musical performance. You want to in-person see whoever the big name is that's opening the show or whatever it is. Um, the, the virtual, it seems like you're saying, has to have something equivalent to that to draw people. Because I see much like with a webinar, you can get people to sign up on one hand and show up because they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm available now. Let me join that. A very high percentage of people I get webinars. I'm like, that might be interesting. I'll sign up. There's maybe a 10% chance I attend if I find myself saying, oh, I have time right now. And this just popped up on my calendar. But with the, um, with the virtual events, I feel like you probably get some of the same thing, except for if you have to pay for it, people are like, well, there's no urgency to buy the product basically. And so Whereas with an in-person, it's like, oh, I need to set my schedule. We got to get tickets. We got to get a hotel or, you know, to, to go do all this. So it's a thing. Like, how do you get people to sign up for a virtual event when there, when there is no urgency to sign up? There's no need. There's no limited amount of people. There's no any of that stuff. It's just, hey, I could come and listen at the last minute if I wanted to. Totally. Um, you know, scarcity, scarcity, it's kind of the way to go. My go-to tactic for virtual events what creates scarcity is just like, you know, invite only, exclusive. Yes, you need to have like a hook, always is gonna, is gonna work like that, right? You're gonna have a special performance, you're gonna have surprises that are gonna pop up. You gotta make it a TV show. Like, why do you bother to watch a TV show? Like, I feel TV is going through uh, the events phase as well with Netflix and on demand, right? Where like you have everything available. Like TV has to reinvent themselves all the time to be Right. relevant in the live environment like when you put on a live show and they're suffering right even live shows on tv they're not doing as as well it's as they like used people to. either binge it all as soon as it's available or there's no urgency because you know you can watch it anytime so it isn't like if i miss this week's episode i'm not going to be able to see it right and and what creates the difference there is like giving the ability to people to step up and like outside of their comfort zone and come on stage and start sharing and like experiment with sharing their content, that's the big difference that is going to shift 
like a platform of one sort of one directional platform in a community feeling where people start to create the content, start stepping on stage. We've had sessions like some of our clients, for example, they would uh, prompt the audience during a session to share their opinion. And like the most motivated one, they would be brought on stage to discuss in a panel like from the audience, not planned, like immediately in the moment, you can- Now wait, you say so brought easily. on stage, I never know. Are you talking virtual or, or in person? I'm talking virtual, I'm talking okay. virtual. That's so much easier, but I've done it in person as well. I've, I've had people, like you can do it both. This is like a design uh, element here. Like the tools that you have available right now, that's the big news I feel. Like the virtual platform, some of the things you can do today with the virtual platforms used to cost thousands and thousands of dollars two years ago. Like right. you, it wasn't easy to implement something like, okay, I have the member of the audience that wants to step on stage, come on stage, like on the back, on the back end and bring in, bring them in and have like a nice view of the four or five speakers and be flexible about it. You have to have a full production team with different software implementation to have different views, incredibly complex to do. One of the companies that we run is StreamYard, which is like, you know, the go-to tool for content creators right now. The ability that you have to have multiple views, transition super fast, it's just like mind-blowing. It saved my, my butt last year when I wasn't hopping yet and was running events and I run events for like 60,000 event planners. You have to put it in perspective. Five times the size of the biggest show in the industry. So I did that and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have a lot of budget. So StreamYard was a lifesaver for me because I was able to immediately create different views, share presentations on the go. And that ability to kind of live stream and get the audience to participate. I could, for example, pick comments from Facebook live or Twitter, display them in a lower third while I was presenting. I mean, can you think right. about that? Like it used to take like three people to do that. So now you have these tools that are like so readily available you can engage with people like so easily. I'm getting a little PTSD from being in a marketing agency early in the webinar days, like early 2000s, when we had to have a whole team of people just to have a webinar able to be watched. And then you're worried about too many people showing up and it crashing and nobody being able to, like just the logistics of a simple, simple webinar was, and it seems like there's the same thing for the, the virtual events. So question on the virtual events, there was an event that we wanted to go to. It was virtual. And I had this idea of saying, hey, I'd like to do a virtual reality room at this event. We were, we were a sponsor. And I said, I, I want to sponsor a virtual reality room. We will ship everybody a VR headset, uh, the style you can just pop your phone into. And so we started looking for the software to do this. Not doable. And I said, I, I don't believe it. This is, this is too simple. My kids are on this little Roblox thing. It's the same thing except for it's not in a VR headset. Like you can move around in a space and it's like, oh, there's no audio. You can't talk. How do you manage distance and who's hearing who? And, but why is there no VR room available? This is going to be a multi-part question. Is this what this Facebook metaverse thing is going to be? Um, what, what's up with having VR for these virtual events? Is 5G going to bring this into us where you can suddenly move around in a VR space and actually interact with people and, and run into people virtually. So a loaded question right there, Scott, but I'll try to give it. It's give, like 10 loaded questions. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, there is, this is quite a lot, but I'll try to, to give you the best possible answer to that. So um, I feel that what we went through during the pandemic in terms of attendance to virtual events, it's the very first collective experience of what the metaverse looks like. So it's a 2D version of it. It's not the 3D interactive version where we can move around and, and interact with people. That's to come. But right now, like platforms like Hopin are the closest version of what a 2D metaverse looks like, especially in terms of the connection, which is happening for video right now, right? 2D video. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first iteration. Um, I feel that there are attempts on Oculus, for example, for venues. Um, right now, or if you look at Fortnite, for example, where like massive concerts, like with our artists, like doing performances just for that, it works very well with music and concerts because to a certain extent, you're just sitting there listening and that's it. 
the audio is one direction i guess right it's more immersive than just like listening on tv but even there like it depends on what tv and stereo, stereo system you have at home right but it is it is a unique experience and people are loving it but business events like let's define it again right business events conferences and trade shows it's already awkward to meet people in person right like you have to introduce yourself you have to go out of your comfort zone and there's like introverts and stuff like that are we comfortable with going with avatars and meeting people like we're not there yet i feel right? it's kind of like being at a, a a ball where you're wearing a mask though you can be more comfortable because you have the virtual mask on now what i heard you say is if i want to have a virtual reality meeting you just have to invite all your business people onto Fortnite, right <laughs> and they say I mean, no yeah. somebody killed steven again come on yeah. stop killing him i'm trying to talk there to are the guy. platforms that do it right now specifically for the event industry it's like super awkward it feels like second life i mean honestly like we've been in, i'm old enough to remember second life and like brands like creating little venues in second like we've done it already like it didn't work we didn't like it so i'm expecting like a big quantum leap of development of technology i like to point your audience to what scott galloway says on uh, twitter and on his writings on his podcast he talks about apple as the company that is actually going to master the metaverse and specifically points at one patent that they filed for the airpods to have cameras on it so he thinks that that's going to be the game changer, not uh, what Meta is going through right now, which eBrands has just a marketing stunt, not as an actual, uh, you know, willingness to change things. So interesting, interesting, interesting take on the metaverse. Just getting attention. Also, the opportunity to rebrand away from the name Facebook, which is... Uh come under some criticism right? <laughs> um, and maybe isn't cool for the young crowd anymore. You know, we want to change the name so you can get these, uh, you know, the young kids not thinking Facebook, that's what my grandpa's on. Yeah. But let me tell you, Scott, I was like so skeptical about it. Then I got an Oculus and I, like, I found myself playing ping pong for like two hours, like, you know, virtual reality it. or metaverse, virtual reality, Oculus, uh, you know, quest. And I was like right. on it, like, I felt like I was playing ping pong two hours so you know it's like i i wouldn't be i'm not close-minded to it i said some things i love some things i don't like as much and i feel like we need to work on but like here's the thing the trend for meeting for connecting is not going towards in person right, right. it's going towards technology that's where it's going towards but then again in person that's nothing there's nothing like in person that's the thing now that might actually give a premium to in-person then because now you do sales, you do it over a phone, you jump on a zoom call, even before, um, even before coronavirus, there was a lot more of that. And then you have this and suddenly, Oh, the, the events are all virtual. But now when there's an in-person meeting, it's like, Oh, I went in person to the in-person meeting. It adds an extra premium because there's that lower level option of, you know, in a, a lot of uh, events for us, we'd see, we needed to be at the event just to show, kind of oh if you have a booth at the event then it's the cover charge for the industry people know oh this is a legitimate company because they have a booth and now you virtual event oh virtual booth it's a lower tier cover charge kind of you're not in the penthouse you go to an in-person event you're basically saying we're legit look we paid money just to show you just for the cover charge which means we're we're, we're legit yeah, I was a, I was at an in-person event and like, you know, I come from the in-person industry. That's originally my word. As much as I love tech, I, I'm an in-person type of person. Um, and, uh, you know, what everybody, the mantra for the in-person industry is there's nothing like face-to-face, -face, okay? And I agree, but as a brand, hopping, investing in in-person events, exhibiting at trade shows, I was at one where I was given like a tiny space in the back of the room shared with like 25 other companies, no traffic because it was like so poorly designed that it was like in a corner. And I was like, I'm never going to do this again, ever. Like I'm never going to spend a single dime again. If you don't offer like content, for example, if you don't offer like new ways to engage with audience, this is a problem that's in person, virtual hybrid. It's a design issue. Right, right, that a right. lot of events uh, deal with. I see the same uh, just work. Are you working from home? Are you working in the office? 
hybrid. It seems like everything now has just opened up to, you may have been working from home exclusively for the last two years, but things are going to go to hybrid. And then people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm flying out to the headquarters for an in-person and we're going to have meetings. It's so awesome. It's like suddenly all of a sudden people are excited to be in the office um, because it's, figure. Know, it's no longer the thing you have to do all the time. Uh, it, it seems like a good thing to me to have the two playing on each other, both options there. Um, uh, good for everyone. Can't wait until everything is back on. And then you actually do have the choice for all events for uh, whether to go in person or hybrid. All right. I want to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about you, your kind of a uh, path to where you're at now and, uh, and about, and about hopping. And then we'll get back so much more to talk about with, with events and um, virtual events specifically. I really want to get some tips from you. So something to think about for after the break on, you know, why people are having problems with their virtual events, getting people to sign up, and then maybe some specific things on what they can do to, um, to improve their virtual event signups as well as the event itself. Probably go hand in hand. All right. So you're listening to the Ify Market Podcast. We have Julius Solaris on, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. Welcome back to the Ify Market Podcast. We have Julius Solaris here talking about uh, virtual events, little general event talk, and um, you know how you can have better virtual events, basically. But Julius, uh, before we get back to the event stuff, want to dig into you and how you became the Julius Solaris we have today, working at Hopin. What was your what was your path in this uh, this event industry? Yeah, well, I'm Italian originally, uh, as you can tell by my crazy accent. Uh, I, I've been um, traveling for a while, living in multiple countries. And, uh, you know, I, in 2000, like more than 15 years ago, um, 17 years ago, I blogging was the thing. I was like excited about it. And, uh, you know, joining the what, what uh, content creators are today, I guess, back at the time. The virtual newspaper, yeah. Exactly. I started a blog um, and, uh, you know, there was like this obsession with like make my, make money blogging. Um, and, uh, you know, the only topic I had at the time were events. Like I had a passion for events. I had experience in it, um, you know, from high school to my first official gig in uh, conferences and pharma. And, um, yeah, I started writing about it, rambling mostly. Like not even my family could understand, understand what I was talking about because they couldn't speak English. So it's just, you know, talking out loud. Fast forward 10 years later. Were you living in the U.S. at the time? No, I was like actually in Australia. Then I moved to Italy. Then I moved to London. Uh, while I was in London, I started a business um, for my blog. Four years later, the, my hobby started. And I sold that business in 2019 to a, a publication in travel, um, in a travel media company. And... Uh, Actually, last February, I started my journey moving from media uh, to tech, which is, was the topic that I was talking about. I was talking about event technology for the past 10 years, did a lot of research. And, and therefore, uh, I made the jump and joined the dark force. Uh, of, uh, uh, and it was, it was interesting. It changed completely my career. Now I'm uh, at Hopin. So you basically been been like studying and researching and talking about technology and events, and then you're like, now I want to go and touch it and do it. Totally, yeah. By by the time I was uh, working as an editor uh, in chief, I had worked with most of the event tech companies from Eventbrite to Cvent mm. and all the big. Tons of connections already. You'd already done like networked everything. You were embedded. Exactly. 
And then, so yeah, during the pandemic, we had this huge explosion with online events and with the event. You have to think like a big uh, round of funding in event technology was double dotched, uh, closed $30 million back in the time. So Hopin has closed in a year, $1 billion in funding. Wow. So you can imagine like, this is the discrepancy between my life pre-pandemic and the current life I'm living in right now. Uh, which has been challenging and tough for myself as everybody else, but also equally exciting. Yeah. So you started up in Hopin in 2021, right? So they were kind of already exploding when they brought you on and they said, we need more people who can do stuff. We're growing too fast. We have to spend this money. And there's a marketing trend. I feel that a lot of uh, your audience would understand, understand here. Content becomes extremely important in the way companies like these market themselves and they're transitioning to media companies almost creating uh, a huge volume of content and therefore like a lot of people in media in events transition to the same roles that i have today it's not just me like i can point like 10 15 people that i used to work with that now recall like have some some sort of marketing role into tech companies and events. right i also feel like uh maybe when hopin comes to you um I've had a episode on influencer marketing before and came to realize, oh, when people are hiring, rather than paying an influencer to tweet about you, maybe hire one. And then you, you have them on staff rather than taking somebody in-house like a farm league with baseball and, uh, and trying to develop them into an influencer, which then they're going to just go play for another team probably at some point. Um, just, you just go get a free agent. So it seems like you were kind of a free agent that was, that was available. And they said, why try to groom somebody into being this when we can just go and we're, we're just going to go and pay the free agent fee and, and get this guy and everything he brings to the table and his whole network and his content and his influence, um, right out the gate. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel that if you engage with content creators that really care about the content piece. I feel like you got to be naturally more exposed to bigger marketing opportunities as opposed to someone that doesn't have any clue of how content works. Um, you know, I'm I'm not on podcasts like yours to plug hopping. I don't care. I mean, I talk about it if I have an example, but like I'm here to share value of stuff that I see. I'm genuinely excited about it. And like, it's my passion. I'm a geek of like events and like, I just like would talk about it for hours. So that's where my passion started. I guess like more companies are capitalizing on that. Yeah. Well, that's not your purpose here, but that is what it's time to do now. So let's talk about Hopin because yeah. the listeners, I think at this point, probably want to know if they're not familiar with you guys already, what exactly does Hopin do? What, what kind of do you guys offer as an event platform that's different, that's advantageous? And then we'll let that bleed right into kind of what people can do to have better events, to attract people better. Um, those kind of things. I'm sure some of those features cross over pretty easily. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind about Hopin is that there's a million technologies to run virtual events today. Like every day I see a new funding round with a new technology that does the same thing coming up. Um, I feel that um, you gotta under to understand the scenario here of where Hopin fits. It's literally Apple versus other sort of providers of smartphones right now. It's the experience. We just care about that. We're right. not in the feature battle. We don't care about giving a million features to the audience. We care about giving the best possible experience for uh, attendees online, make it easy, simple. You just log in, you get engaged to it because we see there's the direct correlation between the engagement level and success of the event program. Well, so I feel people, as a virtual event goer, I don't want a whole... Um, airplane cockpit of options i want the one button like an iphone that does the one thing i want to do next kind of yes yeah, so you keep it simple streamlined like at a an in-person event you you can simply decide what you want to do kind of exactly and, and our motto is like just add the open to any type of program like even if it's just a pure marketing program that doesn't have in-person events you can just add open to make it a little bit more meaningful. If you have an in-person events, just add hop in to okay. have a little bit more reach, right? Your accent was throwing me off there for listeners. He's saying hop in, hop um, in but yeah. it sounds like op 
He's dropping <laughs> the H. So I, I, first I thought he said opt-in. I know opt-in Italians in. don't have Sorry the H. That. Apologies <laughs> about my H. Oh, they should have thought of it. Before they hired you, they'd be like, say hop in. Say it once. Say it for me. Okay. Yeah, you're going to have say, to learn how to say I have to H. practice more on my own brand. Um, so, you know, it, it's, yeah, add, add hop in to the, to, to the mix because it's just so easy, right? It's just like it makes sense because you're extending the reach, you're cutting the cost, you're making it more engaging. And therefore, like, yeah, it's just about meeting, right? Part of it is StreamYard as well. I want to I wanna put the attention on it of your audience because StreamYard is probably one of the best creator, creator tools that you have right now to create video and live streaming on different platforms. Integrates like in a snap with Hopin. So you have all your speakers there and you can stream to Hopin where everybody's interacting in the chat. Uh, you have polls, you have Q&As, you have networking modules, you have booths for your exhibitors where you can present products. So all of a sudden you have this virtual venue uh, where your event is happening. So think about a venue in person that has all the different areas. You have the same areas within uh, the virtual environment. But awesome. the twist is that it happens also in person as well. So if your audience is planning about um, doing, doing in-person events, that's, that's the value of it because you have one dashboard for different experiences. So all the data is one is one place, and then you can implement it in different ways. So when you say virtual venue, you don't mean virtual reality, but it's like you can see an overview of the venue, see where the booths, kind of like the in-person booth chart, but then you can actually like drill into a booth and go there virtually. Is it, we we don't have like virtual capabilities. We're using uh, the the well, not virtual reality, but you do yeah. have virtual right we're we're using the most accepted sort of definition of online events which is virtual but technically is not virtual it's 2d so there's no 3d avatars interacting and moving away, around it's just like your 2d version you can turn your video on and interact with other people in breakouts and sessions right now up to 20 people in breakout groups you can turn on the video and audio and have conversations like as we're having right now so you have that option. You can go and visit different booths and set up scheduled meetings one-to-one -one with a salesperson from that company. Uh, but there's no navigation with avatars or stuff right. like that, which is a little bit more. So it's uh, interactive, but not virtual reality interactive. Exactly. Now, when Digital. they do make that like Fortnite-style virtual reality, can can the can your industry keep the ability to kill somebody at that event? I mean, they'll get, they'll regenerate right back. They just want to be able to like, I don't like what this person's saying. Psh, they're dead. They fall apart. And now you they come back together. I'm going to write it down in the feature request. It'd be a good feature to have. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll pass <laughs> it to the product team. <laughs> you just have to be careful on the hybrid part on how you how you have these features oh my set God. Up. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> you want people to get confused you're playing uh, <laughs> one of these driving video games then you get in your own car and you forget where you're at and start smashing into things uh you got to be able to separate the virtual uh reality and the reality at, at, at some level or it gets dangerous um okay so hop in any what else should people know about hop in what else should the listeners know about the platform i know you say you don't focus on features but i'm sure there's some key features that make things and there's always a couple features early iphone missing a couple things they they add the feature for a reason because like oh yeah i would like to be able to answer a phone call and do something else at the same time or, or, or whatever it is um so what are some of the key features that yeah opt in and you know any other platform but that that help these virtual events be successful absolutely so one of the ones that I love the most I talked about earlier is the networking shuffle and the ability to meet random people in, uh, in an event. I feel that's the most sort of serendipitous one that you can have in a virtual environment right now. It's like, and you can, you can um, narrow it down to having specific groups meeting and we're releasing more functionality in that sense. You can have uh, you know, uh, more on the networking side in terms of how you search people and how you connect with people, more to come on that in that sense. So you can and narrow the pool down a little bit and say, look, I don't want to just meet anyone random. It's like a yeah. dating app kind of. You can say, I only want to meet non-smokers. Yeah, or, or think about uh, startup investors and startup owners, right? Being connected and someone pitching and someone listening. I feel so, like the know. startup investors would not classify themselves though because they don't want to be attacked at a, 
by every company. <laughs> well, but you know, some some investors attend like say TechCrunch Disrupt, that is like one of our events that we run on Hopin, that where you know you're just there to listen to new ideas. So you're open to that. You can narrow it down. You, you don't have to make it intrusive. You can select time and place to do it. So again, it's a design issue then at that right. stage though, in terms of how you plan your event. It's easier then, to run away virtually as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I feel like exactly. investors in a in a pool like that would be like a porn star at a porn convention walking around on the floor. <laughs> it's just like, okay, the type of people who are here and the type of person I am, I'm going to be mobbed constantly and not be able to move around freely. But virtually, yeah. the investors can just be like, I'm out. The, the thing is, you have three minutes limit to this these conversations. So you can decide to leave or extend. So if you're sort of enjoying it. And again, these investors, I bet you they'd like that kill function. Yeah, I mean, you'll yeah. just leave. Leave. I think it's after a minute you can you're able to right. actually leave. not just leave. They just want to be able to get out their sword, chop them in half, right. and then it's over. That's how you leave aggressively. <laughs> I love that. The other one Fortnite that I love style is the integration with StreamYard, and one of the the, the features that StreamYard has is that sort of little lower third bringing up comments from the chat directly on on screen. So that you're actually giving some feedback to the people that are participating in the event. Because the frustration a lot of times with chats and Q&A modules in these virtual events is that they get lost. Like people like keep chatting and they go, keep on going up and up. So, But if you have a moderator or even the speaker, sometimes you can bring them up and show them to everybody and like address them publicly. It almost like feels like a gamification type of moment where like people start battling to make it to the live stage. Right. I felt myself I was in this type of situation. I knew there was a person I was like so interested in like having to answer one of my questions. I kept on asking questions all the time in the hope to be on stage. I never was brought on stage. Like, I want to be seen. I want to put my questions exactly, out there. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. Because that's the value to you. That's where you feel engaged. And, um, and the third one, it's in the making. I cannot talk about it, but like we're releasing it in the next three months. It's but something it's top about, secret in the yeah. making. I won't tell you what it is, but trust right. me. Right. I, I sneak peek. It's all about the data and like the data that matters. I feel that a lot of the metrics that we look at, at right now are vanity metrics. They don't mean anything. Um, you know, we're looking at the clicks, but like, but so what, right? And engagement is at the, is at the core of it. So we're releasing more ways to actually measure that. And for people who are listening, Julius started bouncing up and down in his seat when he was just starting to talk oh my about God, this I'm thing so you can't talk about. about that. <laughs> I've been talking about this feature for 15 years. Like to see it make it like to make it happen, like see it real time, I'm just mind blown. I was I saw my CEO announcing it. I was like, wow, this is just gonna change the game for marketers specifically, because this is the audience where you can validate like a lot of events. Events like are made of fresh air, as I say in Italian. They're made of like nothingness. Like we're talking to each other and we're like saying, oh, this is great. How do you measure that? Right. So that's where virtual is coming in, giving you the tools to make it tangible. Wait, did you just slip a word there that you weren't supposed to? You said some, oh, virtual as in virtual events. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you named the product or something maybe. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that sounds exciting. So keep an eye on, on that, I guess, for the Please listeners. Do. Check out Hopin and see what they're up to. When do you think this uh, top secret um, feature here is going to be public? Soon. Soon. Okay, so keep keep <laughs> checking back to, for that. Uh, for the I don't want to go to jail and data. So soon. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, soon. Okay, uh, let's jump back. We got a little bit of time left. Let's jump back to the virtual event, talking just generally about these virtual events. Mm -hmm and um, maybe give some people some tips for what does and doesn't work when putting on a virtual event. Absolutely. Um, so we feel that um, you know, some events do better than others. Um, I feel that so move, to move quickly with virtual events is very important to be in the now. You're saying right? some types of events do better than others? Yeah, some types of events do better than others. Some virtual event programs are better than others. Mm -hmm. So we see that those events that do extremely well have some common features. So one of the ones um, that I love the most is like the ability to move quickly. I feel that virtual events that are on the money, like they're on topic, on trend, able to deploy super fast and like are addressing an issue that we're having right now. 
So for example, like if you're in finance, you're addressing the volatility of the market. You're setting up a virtual event like in a week's time, that's going to give uh, you advantage. So it's not like it's your annual trade show. Um, exactly. It's, it's topical. So, it's we want to address this now. Boom, create an event for the topical stuff. Flexibility, make it fast, make it like the pace is so important. Like if you plan like six months in advance, you can do that. Some many events do that, but we feel that with virtual for success, moving quick, quick enough, it's very important. Um, then to be helpful, like you have to actually provide actual value guidance with experts that answer tangible questions, not just like high level, wishy-washy, vanilla type of like implementation. Like we're past that. We're year three of a pandemic. Can't deal with that anymore. Like make it practical, tangible. Like we've seen a lot of implementation with experts being on open mic, people coming on stage, asking questions, interacting, or one-to-one -one sessions with sponsors, just answering questions. Because like the, the beauty of virtual events is they filter through the noise. So they help to avoid all this confusion of information. Mm -hmm. So I've seen with, with in-person events, there's always a big thing with who's going to be the featured speaker or the keynote speaker at the beginning of the event, some celebrity, something like that. Usually have virtual events been able to just like get, pay somebody to do a, a cameo for them and then play that in the virtual. It seems like, okay, why have Snoop Dogg on for a virtual event when you can just pay him to do a cameo, give him a script and then uh, have him, have him on like that. I, I did it for one of my virtual events. We, we had a special guest, special surprise and we had, sort of uh, Tony Robbins recording like five minutes of, you know, acknowledgement of the distress the industry was going through. Like, was it specifically like, for your event or was it like yeah. a cameo? Because I'm no, thinking it was you like could, for my they event, don't even no. know they're going to be featured in an event. You just have them do a cameo. Here's your script. Boom. And then, <laughs> you know, that, that gets played. Yeah. My, my lawyers would have killed me for that. But, you know, <laughs> and Tony uh, Robbins lawyers too. Yeah. Oh my God. No, it was kind enough to record like five minutes saying, listen, Event planners, I, I live off of events. So, you know, we connected with the audience and everybody's like mind blown. So also thinking about making it share worthy on social media is like so important. Make it visual as well. Like a lot of talking, a lot of video, but like, what about visual? I've used a lot of um, graphic recorders, they're called. People that sketch live, like what's being discussed. Um, and like create these beautiful infographic type of things that you can share during the event and people like get crazy on social media cool. sharing those. So that's always like a, a big winner. And also like um, think about the TV experience and connecting the audiences. So sometimes having moderators that are like, they know what they're doing. I feel that's so important. Like having people mm -hmm. that are kind of your TV hosts, right? right. You need the DJ TV host out. I couldn't agree with you more. I think people overlook that frequently. They're just like, oh, let's get Sally from accounting and she'll moderate thing. You're like, no, no, no. They do not realize how difficult the job is of the that moderator or announcer until they see somebody do it that's not a professional. And then they realize, wow, we thought, uh, you know, name whatever host of Dancing with the Stars had a simple job. And you're like, no, no, no. They really have to keep you on all the time. So a good moderator, a good somebody who knows what they're doing um yeah going to podcasts yeah. like you know what i mean like podcast hosts like i've used them again and again like clubhouse type of or whatever twitter spaces type of hosts that know what's going on and have an audience as well like that's like that's the sweet spot yeah because, if you, you can know, get just like with you if you can hire the person that has some audience already you right? know hop in gets you and they're like we know this guy's got an audience <laughs> Um, yeah, so that that's uh, I feel some of the examples also like I feel it's important on the marketing side to follow up correctly after an event has ended. So we've seen an art of doing that, like with you know the same idea in mind of creating value, and it's like you know a virtual event as much as it feels closer um, compared to an interaction online, um, we still feel like you know it's still a first date. You don't want right. to go in necessarily. You know what I mean? Like and zero in and like make it immediately tangible and go for the close. So educating the sponsors on like creating value, following up with more resources, white papers, podcast episodes, videos, soft touch to then move them, you know, through the funnel. We feel that virtual events are middle of the funnel sort of nirvana, right? right. Because you're moving them 
slow, slowlier, and you're kind of getting a, a deeper connection. But also easier for people to forget you if you don't, you know, maybe the data feature you guys have coming up will help with this some, but if you don't actually capture any data on them, you're like, oh, I wrote the person's name down and I guess I'll look them up on LinkedIn. You can still follow up in that way, but um, it's really easy for them to forget who you are because totally. you, you didn't have the big flashy booth. You didn't sit down and have a beer with them. You didn't, you met them virtually. So out of sight, out of mind could be a lot easier for, or for the uh, follow-up for them not to remember who you are, not to remember the interaction even. Totally. Uh, and that's the beauty of platforms. They become kind of a community hubs where people keep on going back and meeting with each other. And like, you have this like reinforcement and connection with everybody. But at the end of the day, my tip number one would be, it's gotta be fun. Like I, we're like the attention span is just not there anymore. And it's just two minutes in, I'm just gonna go away, look at my phone, disconnect. So you gotta make it fun. Fun. I make this example here of our all ends at Hopin that we have every Friday at 7 a.m. in the morning Pacific, which is where I am. And it's like, I'm looking forward to that event, Sky. I just can't, I can't wait to be there at 7 a.m. on a Friday. And it's compulsory because it's so fun. Is it's this so an great. internal company event yeah, or is this something that's our, open to anybody? It's our all hands. It's our sort of company-wide meeting. We're a fully virtual company. So we need these moments to get together. It's like pumped up music at the beginning, everybody posting GIFs everybody excited the hosts are just incredible we have music we have prizes we have competitions we have a holiday theme type of like show up with your costume you know there's like always something happening and that's the thing about events remember they're called events for a reason like there's got to be some something event worthy some novelty some excitement otherwise it's just like a flat youtube video right. is it an event or a prevent what are you what are you putting on here um, so you say you guys have this thing in your company. Is there something like that where listeners can experience hop in where the, do you guys have like a monthly or a weekly event that outside people can just hop into and experience your platform? Funny enough, um, I'm just out literally like an hour ago with uh, our customer advisory board and everybody's uh, welcome to join our customer advisory board it's open to everybody and we host quarterly meetings with uh, some of our uh, most engaged clients to come on board and i presented on it on the top trends for the industry and our ceo was there to give the vision of the roadmap and what we're releasing the features and everybody was super pumped and excited we had q a people were on video unmuting themselves and say like i want this i want that and you know keeping it open, engaging, fun, not taking yourself too seriously. This is so important with like virtual events because otherwise it's just like that disconnection, that feeling like, oh, this is another meeting. I want to die. You want to move, we'll move away from that. I think the listeners are thinking, wait, I thought that was a, a setup. But if you listen a lot, you know, we don't set anything up on this show. Um, so I'm getting is it sounds like you guys don't have an open event where people can come and experience the platform. Um, this is my my uh, tip to you guys or my give is you should you need to have oh, a quarterly do. or a monthly event. Oh, we you do. Have, we do have bigger is that the events. customer advisory board. Yeah, event? we do have bigger events as well. Uh, of course, like we we like to walk the walk with our own events as well. So every quarter we have a large event on a topic. The last one we did was called Event Minded, specifically about mental health. Um, and uh, another one was called Illuminate, specifically about hybrid events. It was a hybrid event. You can catch up on demand on these events, by the way, they're available. So you can see, get a flair of how we do our own events. We're going to do another one in the next couple of months, which uh, hasn't been announced yet, but uh, on virtual events again. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, there, there's always a chance to get involved. We are having webinars, which you can attend to just see how webinars work for us and how we make Right. webinar is special so there's always an event happening at hopin so you can just jump in okay good see. i thought it was something like this the main thing listeners if they're saying hey okay what's this hopin what does it really do that was really look like is okay can they go where can they go oh, to experience it easily hopin.com slash blog you'll see all links to different events happening happening every month essentially 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So I encourage people to go check it out there. And then I guess one last question, something that uh, occurred to me, is it easier for people to get keynote speakers when it's virtual because the person's like, oh yeah, I can take a little bit of time off just to stop in and say, hi, I don't have to fly to New York or Vegas or whatever it is. Are, yeah. are people who maybe companies wouldn't have thought to approach, should they expand who they might want to, oh, let's just shoot for some big fish and see if Brad Pitt will come and say hi to everybody at our event or whatever it is, whoever's hot these days. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it was easier. I don't think it's uh, as easy anymore. They've all got uh, exhausted now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at the end so of much. the day, like, like the first four or five months of the pandemic, all the speakers are like, okay, well, you know, let's see what happens. I'm going to go and talk to events that I didn't go and talk at before uh, for a fraction of the money or for free in some cases. So that happened. That's not happening anymore because it's, it keeps on going. Some speakers are back on the circuit. They're They're kind of back in person so they're not as available as you know they're not bored at home doing nothing you know and you have to think like as a speaker like you have always have that motion sort of yeah. uh, in the back that you so have they were to willing to do it just for practice early yeah, on but now they're guess, like no you know to expose themselves a little bit mm -hmm. to online audiences uh but i guess right now i wouldn't invest as much as on keynotes as in the past especially for virtual I have a take on that. I would search for those like performers that are not maybe as famous, but they actually care. They have like their YouTube channel, their podcast. They're like, they know content. They know how to move. They don't have the same big names, but they can deliver for you. Because these keynotes, they will show up in most cases, not all of them. They will show up and just do their thing. The presentation they're given a million times right not engaging they don't care about their audience they don't ask questions beforehand so they just do their thing and move on mid-level they go for it they're like engaged they, they're so you can get like a pitbull impersonator you don't need to get pitbull exactly. somebody who's gonna be exciting hype up the crowd uh um be engaging versus somebody who maybe is a big name but is gonna be boring um check youtube not really get check youtube up. content creators that do well on video they're going to do well on virtual events. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, anything, any last things you want to leave people with here about hop in about virtual events, events, any hell, anything you want. So listen, uh, virtual events is not going to go anywhere. There was a, a state of marketing report from Salesforce released like a couple of days ago, I feel. And like 33% um, more of marketers are willing to invest in virtual events in 2022. So that's a 33% jump compared to last year. So it used to be 43%. It's going to go to 76% of all marketers using virtual events going forward. That number jumps up to 91% if you just think about video live streaming. So just video live streaming, which is StreamYard wow. and what we do. So, so I think in true marketing fashion, the title for this episode is going to be Virtual Events Are Dead. <laughs> just to piss people off and get them to look. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's a new category. We're just in year three. As I said, 165 features just last year. Like we're shipping new, new stuff every day. Like you can discount this, like at least like give it a good thought, see where it fits in your strategy. If it doesn't, totally fine. But like the opportunity is just great. Dig in the tool. Yeah, go to hop in, check out one of their open events too, to experience it like your attendees would experience what, what you would put on i think is a you know we've always uh, we had a policy as a company before we would um get a booth at an event before we'd be um a, a company an event sponsor event, anything like that we'd go to it the year before to see what's the event like um what's you know what can we expect what's the venue how is it run all, all those kind of things so yeah no, if you're steal, looking to put steal on, our ideas at every minute mm -hmm. we don't we don't care like you know if you follow me on LinkedIn, I share case studies from our customers like every week. I have like multiple examples of how people are using Hop and steal them away. Like, you know, make them yours. Awesome. Well, um, listeners, if you're looking for uh, for Julia Solaris or Hop in, you can find more information on them on the show notes. Um, company website, hopin.com, H-O-P-I-N.com. 
You can look up Julius on LinkedIn, of course, just using his name on Twitter to Julius, I believe yep. is your Twitter handle. Yep. Excellent. And then uh, if you market.com for the show notes there, we'll have all the links, all the information. And uh, thank you in advance for sharing the podcast. Thank you for listening. And on behalf of the If You Market team and Julius Solaris of Hopin, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with virtual events, they will come. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.